Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. I'm here today with Ellie Reiser from with Comey and Shepherd Realtors, and she is a senior sales vice president. Thanks for joining us, Ellie. Thank you. Glad to be here. Before we get in, in, into our conversation, let me tell everyone about some of the things that are coming up on the show. Next week, we have uh, Dennis Devlin, who's the CEO of uh, Consumer Clarity. And the following week, on May 30th, we have Jeff Mazzaro, general manager, uh, owner of Still Meadow Country Club out here on the east side of town. And Jeff Selich from uh, Thermal Tech Engineering, he's going to be on June 13th. And uh, the June 6th show is going to be Joe Raver, the new president, CEO of Hildebrand over in southern Indiana. Okay. Seven programs that are coming up. We've got a great new program coming up. Actually, it's going to be over at the Still Meadow Country Club on June 4th. It's called, Is Your Sales Team Holding Your Company Back? So many times over the, the these last 23 years as a Sandler trainer, I've talked to company owners, and the, the, the final diagnosis was the sales team needed to be replaced or 50% replaced, or in some cases 70% replaced. Uh, this program will teach people, company owners, how to hold people accountable, uh, how to find the five hidden weaknesses of a sales team, how to properly supervise and motivate a sales team, how to establish a profile for identifying and hiring stronger salespeople. That makes it a lot easier if you hire stronger people. And how to develop in your company a no-excuse mentality. I talked to a a certain sales manager earlier this week who told me there was no way he could make his third and fourth quarter bonuses. And I looked at him in in, in disbelief. He doesn't have the belief that he can make it, therefore he won't make it. New Sandler program. Uh, coming up here in July and August is Thriving with Stress. This is uh, the program that Frank Wood put together. This is how to get better in the moment of stress and say and do those things which will get the best results. You can call our office if you'd like to reserve a seat, uh, 513-753-9400, if you'd like uh, information on that, either one of those two programs. Also in July, we're going to have a cold call camp. I think it's the... Second week in July, it's an all-day program on how to become fantastic at dealing with cold calls over the phone and how to get people to call you back 80% of the time. Uh, let me tell everyone a little bit about uh, you, Ellie. She's with Comey and Shepherd Realtors, and she was the Realtor of the Year uh, in 2013 as designated by C-A-B-R. What does that stand for? That's for the Cincinnati Area Board of Realtors. Okay. We have a rule here at Sandler that we don't use buzzwords that other people don't, aren't going to understand. Okay. So you started in real estate in 1987. You started as a full-time sales associate at the Comey and Shepherd Anderson office, college graduate in psychology and education. You're accredited as a staging professional. Yes. So, so you don't have to go out and hire a special staging person. Well, I'm able to use my skills to help sellers prepare their home for the market, which can be a cutting-edge difference between getting it sold and not getting it sold. So mm-hmm. it's been very helpful to have that background. What's the most common mistake people make in staging their homes if they didn't have you? Well, I think three principles I always like to think about. Um, first of all, you have to declutter. Mm-hmm. You have to depersonalize and neutralize. And then also I advise people to clean detail like you would detail your car. And some of those things don't really cost any money, but they're the difference between a positive perception of the home and a not-so-positive perception. So those are the principles that I really like to try to work with. And sometimes people say, well, can I keep my bright lime green walls or my red walls? Well, if you're going to repaint anything, get the big bucket of paint and paint them all neutral. 
So those particular hints and preparation can be helpful. Does that also mean that your personal pictures and mementos should be removed? I think a lot of them should be. And part of that is because buyers will focus on what they're seeing personal to the sellers instead of focusing on what they should be looking at, which is the house. Hmm. Interesting psychological difference between selling it and living in it. Absolutely. In fact, one of the one of the sheets that I use with my sellers from my staging class is the way we live in our homes and the way we sell our homes are different. For instance, when I'm at home at night, sitting in my comfortable chair, I like to have my comfortable stack of books and magazines there that I can reach. Sure. If I'm selling my home, I don't. I get rid of that stuff. Get rid of the books. Yes. They hide in the basement. Yes, you got it. Okay. So you mentioned okay. something else just there that I thought was unusual. You have a staging class for potential sellers? No, I don't have a staging class. I consult with them. And so every 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 time I'm listing a property, I spend a lot of time working with sellers to prepare. So it's not actually a class per se. I guess you would call it individual consulting because it's in everybody's best interest to maximize the experience. So I work with them on how to set up their home for um, optimum showing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I guess that's important. We'll, we'll, uh, we can come back to that. Uh, you mentioned uh, in your resume that uh, – you're a realtor with heart and a founding member mm. with that. What, what does that mean? Well, that's something that's very near and dear to me. And I will just say that I think anybody in any business venture that is successful has a mandate and an obligation to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. So there were a group of us three years ago that began meeting realtors, I should say, trying to figure out some way we could give back to the community. And we met monthly and came up with a program called Realtors with Heart And our mission is to train as many people in our Cincinnati community as we can on CPR, which stands for cardiopulmonary resuscitation, Mm. and AED, automated external defibrillator, as well as choking. And so far, we have trained 680 people. And we certainly um, welcome more people to train all the time. In Cincinnati, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer, when there's an emergency, only about 11.5% of the people are bystanders. Bystanders feel comfortable stepping in to help. If you're lucky enough to have sudden cardiac arrest in Seattle or Portland, it might be 65%. So we're looking to increase that bystander rate to spread the program throughout the Cincinnati area, and we charge a nominal $10 when it's a much greater value in other places, and have the director of Project Heart Restart at Christ Hospital, Mark Johnston, does all of our classes. So... For listeners out there that are interested in this sort of thing, we have several dates available. Give us a group of 10. We'll come to your location. Mike, we could come to your beautiful training room here mm-hmm. and put on a class for 10 to 25 people and make a difference in the community and save a life. That's interesting. We have one client who sells uh, defibrillator machines. Oh. And uh, she brought in a defibrillator machine demo. Is that Denise Mayer? That's it. She Denise. is part of our committee. She's an honorary committee person, and yeah. she's a dynamo. Love her. Yes, yes. And uh, <laughs> she gave the whole demo and how to do it to uh, a class of our people. Uh, Great. Probably six months ago. Wonderful. It was uh, an interesting experience. We just kind of ended on at the last minute. Uh, you've been a director of the Cincinnati uh, Board of Realtors. Is that something that's currently go- going on for you? Yes. I began a three-year term just this past January, and that's an elected position. Um, and really, in in my opinion, it's a rather awe-inspiring position because we are making major decisions for our 4,000-plus realtors in the Cincinnati area. So I take that very seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, you remember the Claremont County Elite uh, Diamond Level? Is that a real estate designation? Yes, there are two boards that I belong to. My primary board is the Cincinnati Area Board of Realtors, but I also bro- belong to the Southern Ohio Association of Realtors, which is based in Claremont County. So I try to support activities and support the um, good intentions of both boards and participate in both. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've, you've been a professional realtor for how many years now? 27 years. 27 long time. 27 years. Long time. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners how you decided to become a professional realtor? Well, that's a great question, and I like to simply call it my lemonade from lemons story. We had a very difficult long-distance move relocation from Rapid City, South Dakota, mm-hmm. which is in the Black Hills, to Springfield, Massachusetts back in 1986, and came from our nice little beautiful, neat home we'd lived in for 10 years in Rapid City to Massachusetts where 
the interest rates were just coming down, so there was a feeding frenzy. Mm-hmm. We were looking at houses that were double the price. Some of them were filthy dirty. I know a couple of them had holes punched in the wall. A few of them had grass that was 12 inches tall, and it was a very, very depressing experience. So that led me to, do I want to teach preschool, which I was offered a job doing that, mm-hmm. or do I want to try this crazy real estate thing because I think there is a better way to not only find the house but emotionally support the needs of buyers and people that are relocating, which can be very traumatic. And so that's how I got into real estate in Massachusetts where I was licensed both there and in Connecticut for six and a half years, and now I've been in Cincinnati for 21. Okay, good. Uh, Ellie has agreed to uh, take callers' questions, and the call-in number is, uh, as usual, 646-595-4916. I think we have uh, time for... uh, one more little question, Ellie. How, how did you get from uh, Massachusetts to Cincinnati? Well, my husband took a job transfer here, oh, so okay. I followed him. And uh, we, I can say that having been here, I, I'm from northern Ohio originally, born and raised, so it's nice to be back in the Midwest, and I absolutely love Cincinnati. Um, I think it's the best-kept secret in the Midwest I'm also a Cincinnati real estate ambassador, which is a group of 50 of us that were commissioned by the mayor, um, was Mayor Mallory, two years ago. Mm -hmm. And we participate in a lot of activities, getting to know Cincinnati so we can spread that word, impart that information not only to our clients, but to our fellow realtors in our offices. Right, right. It's uh, an interesting thing. I came here with with my wife uh, back in 92, agreed to move to Cincinnati with a two-year out. (laughs) At the end of two, we come from big cities, Los Angeles and New York. She grew up in Detroit. That was, this was a series of small towns. We said, you know, give it two years. We knew we wanted to leave L.A., didn't particularly have a preference, so we took Cincinnati. And at the end of two years, my business was successful. She was successful at Heinz, and we decided to stay. When they said in 2000 at Heinz, move to uh, Pittsburgh, <laughs> or you're fired in L.A. to her, she said, sayonara. And we stayed here. So it's been a good run in Cincinnati. I agree. Uh, great, a great place to live. Uh, I'm going to uh, ask Jimmy Fox to come on and tell everyone a little, little bit about Tip Club, which is uh, our networking group that we sponsor here in Cincinnati. The next meeting is next Thursday. Uh, I believe that's the 22nd of May from 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. Uh, Jimmy, why don't you take it away? And again, if you have a question, you can call in on 646 646- Five nine five four nine one six. Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat, please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event. Mike Roth. I'm back with Ellie Reiser. Ellie, why don't you tell us a little bit uh, about Comey and Shepard? Comey and Shepard is a family-run company. It's uh, one of the oldest real estate companies in Cincinnati, headed by Scott Nelson, and it was uh, his father that started the company. And then Terry Hankner is the president of Comey and Shepard Realtors. 
And their philosophy is a little bit different in that they're very particular about hiring the right kinds of people, hiring agents that are professional. And certainly when you look at the statistics of the company, the per agent um, production is significantly higher than other places. And Scott believes very much, as does Terry, in supporting agents with the best tools available in the industry. One of the things that they just recently started in the last two weeks is we actually have a drone to do some aerial filming of properties. And I haven't had a chance to do that yet, but a few people in my office have to get aerial shots of properties in a special way for promotion. So um, he's always on the cutting edge of finding different things that we can use to promote and be in the best interest for both our sellers and our buyers. You might have seen the quizzical expression on my face when you said drones. Uh, I didn't know they were legal for commercial purposes here in Cincinnati. Yeah, actually they are. Scott would definitely check that out for real estate purposes. Um, and it's just something that goes right over the top of the house. It's not something that's, uh, you know, all over. Goes up into the flight path and crashes into the private uh, aircraft. No, 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 no. Not up that high. No. Well, just, just, just to the top of the house. Low altitude. Low altitude. Okay, that's that's real good. And uh, how many... Uh, years of experience does Comey and Shepard have in the Cincinnati market? You know, I should probably know the answer to that question, and I don't. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you after the show? Okay. I would love to hear from anyone that might have a question for me, and certainly, as I talked about, Realtors with Heart would be glad to discuss that further. My email is eriser, R-E-I-S-E-R, at C-O-M-E-Y, Com. And a telephone number is 513-226-8736. Okay. Uh, Ellie, you know, there, there are 4,000 realtors in Cincinnati? 4,000 plus, a few Four, more. 4,000 plus. How do you go to market? How do you find your prospects? Well, what I've done over the years is build a relationship selling business. I am one to work hard. When I, when I came here, it was interesting. I thought of myself as an experienced realtor coming from Massachusetts. But what I found was, even though people wanted to work with me, they maybe had a relative or they had a friend from the west side or some other area that they needed to work with. So my goal became, became to exceed the expectations of everyone I worked with. And through that became a network of growing my business. And I would say probably 90 to 95% of my business is repeats and referral. So over the years, I have worked on solidifying that and increasing my business that way. So it's wonderful that I'm in a business where I get paid to go to lunch and breakfast and dinners with people, you know, network with my women's groups, mm -hmm. um, do various things even in my neighborhood, but to talk to people and be out there and to communicate regularly, both with my sphere of influence and my present and past clients. Mm -hmm. Is there a particular geography in Cincinnati that you specialize in? I go, I would say, all over the east side of Cincinnati and, you know, over to Westchester, Mason, certainly up that way, and all through the corridor that encompasses the east side. The only area that I would say I don't really feel proficient in is the true west side. And certainly there are many agents that are that I can refer and do referral business with to make sure that the client is serviced in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people choose to work with you? Well, um, I've always felt that what's important is for someone to get to know you and like you and trust you. And so... And Sam, we call that bonding work. Bonding and rapport. Okay, I'll have to change my verbiage there. Um, but I think I try to create that sense of understanding and listening and making the client the most central focus of my business. I believe also that you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason, and that if we are careful enough to listen very closely to what our clients are telling us, be it a buyer or a seller, we can literally formulate the script and put together the prescription for what they need and want. So I guess doing those kinds of things over the years, I don't know, maybe it's my teaching or my psychology background, but really focusing on the client um, is, a, is something that's been very instrumental in growing my business. Mm -hmm. Were you a psychology major in college? Yes, okay. elementary education in psychology. Okay. So you know what transactional analysis is, right? Yes. Good. That's the basis of the whole sale selling system. Oh, okay. What do you think your unique marketing advantage is in the marketplace? Well, I think, uh, again, that ability to have people trust me. Sometimes realtors have 
negative, um, there's, a, there's a negative perception, which I think is becoming much more positive, I would like to think, over the years. Um, but I think to create that era of trust and that sense that people can work with me and know that I'm also one to keep their confidences. And that's very important to me because I never talk about specifics of my business, you know, either with my husband or friends or other areas. I always tell people what you want people to know will come from you. And I've worked with many, many friends over the years, and they know that's a hard and fast rule in my business. So I think trust and understanding are the things that are really important. What did you have to do at Comey and Shepherd to get the senior vice president sales title? <laughs> um, actually, that was something that was bestowed on me by my former company, which was Star One Realtors. And I've been with Comey for two and a half years. So the title is based upon a certain range of production over a number of years. So to be designated a senior sales vice president, I have uh, been at the circle of excellence level for the Cincinnati Area Board of Realtors for 17 years straight. And so people have assumed that that means, gosh, Ellie, you must have gotten a huge raise. Well, it's not so much that. It's more of a title, again, based upon longevity and production. Mm -hmm. So you don't have any salespeople working directly for you? I don't, but I do have an assistant, my friend Judy Majeski. I don't know if she is uh, listening. I suggested she tune in today. She has been with me for 12 years and does a lot of the marketing work and uh, is also my cohort in crime, as I call her, otherwise known as the boss, to keep things running smoothly. Okay. What do you think the opportunities and possibilities are in the marketplace? We're supposed to talk today about the dynamic Cincinnati real estate marketplace. What do you think the opportunities and possibilities are in real estate? I hear all kinds of things uh, on the positive and on the negative side. Here's my take on the market right now. And, you know, as... As a director, we are looking at statistics every month. We had, up until four months ago, 23 months running of increased number of sales month over the previous year's month. And all of a sudden, that reversed in January. We thought it was initially, you know, the bad weather and so forth. But it actually declined a little bit, our number of sales. And part of that is because our listing inventory is down 8.2% over a year ago. And at one point, it was down 13%. So we are desperately looking for... Um, good homes to sell. We are at a shortage that way, and that's also contributing to the decreased number of sales. So I would say to anybody out there that's considering putting their home on the market, consult with a professional realtor, look at what market conditions are there, because we're finding homes that are well-priced, well-presented, are selling oftentimes in multiple offers and selling over full price. We get that again. Selling for more than the listed amount? Yes, that is happening, and we are often in multiple offers. Oh, back in, in California for me in, in 1976. <laughs> well, probably not as, as wild as the California market, but I think the last three homes that I have sold have been multiple offer situations. So there's a strategy to try to get get the home for your buyer too, but it becomes very competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, is, is the shortage of listings because all of the homes that were foreclosed are, are now sold and gone? You know, I don't have a good answer to that, and I've done some reading lately. Um, I think part of it is there is still a bit of a reluctance and an instability in the job marketplace for some people that are reluctant to sell their homes. Mm -hmm. I've also read where um, there are a lot of young people coming out of college that are unable to buy homes, and if they do have a home, not selling it, or maybe they've got they're saddled with many loans and so forth, so that's affecting the marketplace. But again, I think... That takes buyers out. Yes. But I think but I think that instability with still a lot of people that are in management, middle management positions, various positions, there's still a little bit of a concern about moving forward with selling their home. And anybody who bought their home between 2006 and 2010 or 11 could potentially be in a situation where it's maybe worth still slightly less than what it was back then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So are we back to the price levels of 2006? I don't think so quite yet. The Inquirer did a very in-depth study based upon information from the Cincinnati Area Board of Realtors that basically from 2006 to 2013, prices overall went down 10 to 15%. And for instance, in Anderson Township, where I live, they are now... You were saying prices in Anderson? Prices in Anderson have come back between 8 and 9%. So we're not quite up to where we were at 2006, but we are slowly edging up and inching up. As a matter of fact, the latest statistics that I have from March show that our closings were down this past March over last March, 7.98%, but the average price is up 9.72%. So prices are inching up slowly, but again, we are very much looking to increase the inventory because we don't have enough 
good homes to sell those people that are out there ready, willing, and able to buy. On, on average, how many uh, days is a home on the market? Well, you know, that's, that's interesting. We always used to say, what's the average days on the market? And now I calculate that a little bit different. I look at um, what the absorption rate is because sometimes a house may be on multiple times or on and off the market. And a balanced market is considered five to six months to sell an entire inventory of homes in a given price range. Okay. And so it means... Entire inventory. Well, let's just say, for instance, um, in Anderson Township, if there are 20 homes on the market between um, 200,000 and 300,000. But then I look at how many have actually closed in the last 30 days and divide the 20 by that number. So on many cases, we're finding that you know, there's maybe just a three to four months supply of inventory. And that tells us that it's a seller's market. Balanced is five to six months. In the years previously, between 2006 and 2013, some price ranges were running, you know, a 20-month supply. Wow. So Good. We're going to take a a short commercial break here and listen to a couple of Sandler commercials. If uh, you have questions for Ellie uh, or for me, you can call in on 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. At the first sign of trouble, there are three types of business leader. The first type of leader is like a turtle. He pulls his head and tail in and hides in his shell. Turtles hunker down, just trying to survive. The second type of leader is an opportunist. They're like eagles. Eagles spread their wings and take advantage of the winds. They catch the storm wind and rise to new heights. The third group, between turtles and eagles, are called turkeys. Turkeys are average and anxious. They huddle together and move. They never saw. However, turkeys are easy prey for those who seize the opportunity and soar. If someone in your industry goes out of business, are you going to get the business? The question is, which type of leader are you? Will you seize the opportunities to take market share and grow, or will your fate be like the turkeys? If you're serious about growth, call me to arrange a confidential meeting, 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth and Ellie Reiser. Uh, Ellie, let me ask you a a question. Uh, What do you think people are looking for? Because you talk to a lot of buyers in their next home. Well, I think that what I find a lot of, especially younger buyers and first-time buyers, have the perception oftentimes that they want a house in perfect condition, the granite countertops, all of the bells and whistles that maybe they grew up with or had in the homes where they lived, and it may not be reachable and attainable. So it becomes a process of educating the buyer what is available and what compromises need to be made. There are some few buyers, I was just out with one yesterday as a matter of fact, the type of person that did have the vision to say, I can create the decor that I want buying this at the right price. And I love to hear that from someone that has vision. Um, Some people feel like they just don't have the time, the inclination, they're busy with their jobs, and they want something in perfect condition. So I guess to say what a buyer is looking for, again, going back to the two ears, listening carefully to figure out how I can prescribe the way we proceed with looking at homes is an important thing to do. So now if you were talking to (laughs) prospective sellers, would you say putting granite countertops, even if if you're not planning on living there a long time because it'll sell the house faster? It all depends. It all depends on the house. I know you're raising your eyebrows at me like that's hedging the question. Um, There have been instances where I've said, yes, let's put the granite in because in this particular price range, a buyer will expect it. There would be other price ranges where I would say, let's clean it up, 
neutralize the walls, detail clean the home, manicure the yard, and let's do it as is. And I've done that as well. Sometimes in estates where maybe it's been an older person that's lived there and it's really just not possible or even emotionally feasible for the family to do all of those things. We do the best we can. We price it accordingly and hopefully move the property quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell our listeners what you and Comey and Shepard are doing on the Internet to help them sell homes? Well, the Internet is certainly a very far, powerful tool and, and probably, I don't know, 90, 90% plus of all the buyers, and probably higher than that, actually, start their search on the Internet. Comey, under the, a lot of the direction of Scott Nelson, has just completely revamped their website. So it's very user-friendly. There's a lot of great information. We have a mobile website that you can tap into. Um, and I think, again, we have um, wonderful capability with virtual tours. We also have professional photographers at Comey. So when I have a new listing, um, the professional photographers come and do the pictures. And prior to that, I used to take all of my own pictures. So when I came to Comey, I had photography anxiety, thinking, what if the sky isn't right? I want it to look this way or that way. But I have to say the professional photographers have been absolutely instrumental in selling many of my listings because of the quality of the work. All that, of course, goes on the Internet. And you can never get a second chance to make a good first impression. So the more of those particular tools behind, I think the, the more likely a home will sell in a short amount of time and for top dollar. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any extra cost for having a professional photographer take pictures? All agents are billed a particular amount monthly on our agent bill, whether you have 25 listings or one. And that way, the cost is spread across to everybody in the company. But um, it's a wonderful, wonderful service to have. And for instance, if there was snow on the ground the day the pictures were taken, we can have that photographer come back a week later and reshoot the outside. And they are you know, very, very wonderful to deal with and highly skilled at their profession. So we do pay for it. It's a nominal fee. It's a nominal amount. But I know Scott feels that it's very important to have professional photos. And I certainly agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we were looking at houses in Pittsburgh many years ago, uh, looking at the amateur photos on the web was uh, detrimental. Absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, is uh, Comey and Shepard adding more uh, professional realtors this year? Yes. And what their goals are, I don't know. Um, my manager is Cindy Aiken in the Anderson office, and she and I go way back, actually 20 years, and she is just a phenomenal manager. She is very particular about hiring the right mix of people. And I can honestly say, although public perceptions may be that realtors are competitive and going after and cutthroat, the agents in my office are a really dynamic team. And I can't tell you how many times people have gone out of their way to help me or we help each other. We problem solve together. And so they're hiring new people, but they're not going to just hire anybody. And there's a process that they go through to find what they feel are the best quality people. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the Internet today, uh, people are getting these... Uh I call them unsolicited offers for their home that begin something like, I have a cash buyer for you for your home. Uh, Why don't you tell our listeners what what you've discovered about stuff like that? Well, the old saying, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And I'm rather suspect of those kinds of operations and things that happen because you just don't know who this person is. I've I've been approached by people that say that they want to buy a listing of mine cash, but then it turns out they're buying it as a holding property for someone else and it's more of a rent-to-own kind of thing. So you have to be very, very careful who you're dealing with and what the circumstances are. Um, I'm not about to ever do anything that would risk my license, so you just have to be very cautious. And I have an obligation to counsel my sellers to do the right thing and to make sure and double sure that this is a legitimate kind of offer. Mm -hmm. So in the recent past, uh, last three months, let's say, uh, have any of your homes sold in substantially less than 30 days? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I I have to think about which ones. Um, I would say my last three listings that have sold um, have sold in less than 30 days. A couple of them have sold in a week or less. A week or less? Mm-hmm. Yes. Was there anything particularly special or great about those homes that sold in a week? No inventory in that price range in that particular area. So that makes it very competitive and desirable. Um, I also do a lot of networking with my fellow agents. So I'm often probably three to four times a month at least getting emails or solicitations from other realtors looking for listings, for instance, in my neighborhood where I live in Anderson because mm-hmm. we have nothing. So um, we do a lot of networking that way, and I think that's really important. I have important. noticed that there aren't many for sale signs in the lobby. 
right? And, and, and along the street anymore. Right. And that's that low inventory that we're trying to supersede and overcome and encourage people to put their homes in the market if they want to sell. Okay. Again, if, uh, if you have any questions uh, for Ellie, the number is uh, 646-595-4916. We can take calls during the uh, next commercial break. Ellie, you've been in the business a lot of years. Why don't you give our listeners a leadership tip, something that you've learned? A leadership tip. Well, I think that integrity is everything. And I believe that, you know, again, in terms of leadership, going back to what I said earlier in the broadcast, that if you listen twice as much as you talk, you know, the, the proverbial description of a salesperson is someone that can talk their way into anything. And I think that's a mistake. And for instance, when I show a house, I counsel my buyers, I am not going to be a typical realtor leading you through opening closet doors. You will lead, I will follow, I will be observing your reactions so that I can be aware of what excites you, what does not, and how, again, we can be effective to find the right house. With a seller, when I meet them for the first time, I don't say, show me through your house. Can we sit down at the table for a few minutes? I want to talk to you. I want you to tell me what's important to you, and I'm going to take some notes and listen. So I think from a leadership point of view, if we look at some of those aspects and always, always, always keep the interest of our client, best interest of our client, over what might be in our best interest, um, that that contributes to success. Okay. Uh, here in the Cincinnati market, uh, I've heard it said that it's much harder to sell a condo as opposed to a home. Why don't you share your experience with our listeners? I think there was a period of time, at least you know, three to four to five years ago, where that was really pretty true. I do find that the condo market is coming back. And um, recently sold a condo in uh, my neighborhood that actually we had multiple offers, so in a short period of time. So it really depends, again, go back to what is the inventory, what is available in terms of selections, um, how is it presented. I just closed on a condo a couple of weeks ago in the Eastgate area out by here that had been purchased by my investors. It was bank-owned, and they did a beautiful rehab job, and we sold that and closed on it a couple of weeks ago. So the condo market is beginning to move again. It depends on the area and the location. Some condos, some areas have been hit hard by foreclosures, and that can make it difficult to sell an arms-like transaction when several of them in that neighborhood maybe have been foreclosures or bank-owned. What do you mean by that? What I mean is that with our lender-owned properties, people that have gone into foreclosure and now owned by the bank, and many times the bank will sell them at a significant discount to unload them. Mm. And so that can somewhat taint property values in that neighborhood. Fortunately, everything I'm reading and seeing now is that the number of bank-owned foreclosures is slowly decreasing. So I think we've hit the peak, and I'd like to think that we are coming out of that hole a bit, so that will no longer be quite the issue competing with arm's length transactions, which are you know, more normally priced property on the open market. You mean, yeah, arm's length transaction, two strangers, a buyer and a seller, yes. as opposed to a bank, yes. which is just trying to unload right. this piece of inventory as quickly as they can. Right. Good. Uh, again, if you have questions, we, we will uh, take questions during the next commercial break. The uh, number is 646-595-4916. We're going to listen to a Sandler Rule, Sandler Rule number two. So... Carl, why don't you take it away? Hi, I'm Carl Graff with Sailor Training, and I'm here to talk about Sailor Rule Number Two: Don't spill your candy in the lobby. So, what does a spilled box of candy got to do with the sales call? Everything. When you go on a sales call, you take your box of candy. Your box of candy is your knowledge, your expertise. And salespeople are so anxious to open and spill their candy. When a prospect shares a concern that might be able to be addressed by your product and services, the salesperson launches into presentation mode, highlighting their features and benefits. They might throw in a third-party testimonial or two for good measure, candy, candy, and more candy. While there's time to share your candy, of course, it's during the formal presentation, demonstration, process review. And that's only if you and the prospect together have truly understand the issues they're trying to resolve. In the initial phase of the sales call, leave the candy in the box. Your task is to fully understand the prospect's situation. You have to make sure that you uncover the prospect's issues before you make your presentation. During the initial phase of the sales call, the candy must remain in the box. Your task is to uncover the prospect's 
uh, issues. Your task is to ask questions to uncover the problems that need to be addressed or the goals that need to be achieved. Your task is to truly identify if your products and services will truly address and help the prospect. Your task is to leave the candy in the box. If you're routinely dropping off material, information, marketing material without truly understanding the prospect's buying motives, then you're creating the habit of spilling your candy in the lobby. Ask yourself this question, if they, if they have your information, if they have your pricing, do they really ever need to talk to you again? Ask yourself, would they ever take your information and shop your competitors? Get enough facts to fully understand the opportunity. And if you get far enough through the development cycle to make a presentation, then open your box of candy. Yes, you should and can help the prospect. But the best way to help them early on in the process is to ask them questions, talk as little as possible and get them to talk as much as possible. Your task is to gather the information, not dispense it, and save the box of candy for later. This is Mike Roth and Ellie Reiser. Uh, Ellie, we have a, a theory of operation here at, at Sandler by Roth and Associates that simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. <laughs> Therefore, if you want to solve a complex problem, uh, by the way, uh, residential real estate sales is a complex problem by, by itself, <laughs> uh, by definition, because you have a buyer that has to be convinced to buy and a seller that has to be convinced to sell. So you have two sales in one transaction. If I was going to sell you that microphone, right? Right. You decide you want to buy it. The microphone's never going to say, I'm not going to go home with Ellie. <laughs> okay. So uh, if you want a complex problem solved, you usually need a complex solution. Perhaps you could share with our listeners a complex solution that you had to a complex problem that they might be able to implement in a different industry. Well, I think it, it has to do with a couple of qualities. Persistence, persistence, persistence. If you can't find a way, make a way. My original manager in real estate in Massachusetts used to live by that. And so I had a situation a year ago where I sold a house, lovely first-time buyers. I had the buyers. And the title search revealed that there was an unreleased mortgage from over 20 years ago. Now, how the current owners purchased the property, and that slipped through, and it had to be cleared in order for my buyers to purchase. Meanwhile, they'd given notice at their apartment. We had to research what finance uh, lender that was, which is no longer in business. I had to find out who absorbed that company, go through a bazillion layers. There was no local HSBC mortgage company here in Cincinnati. And there were a team of us, including the listing agent, working on trying to get this lien cleared. To top it off, the previous owners had died many years before, so it's not like we could find them to say, can you prove to us that you have paid off this mortgage? So um, somehow I was connected with people on 800 numbers in Tampa, Florida, and continued to call and continued to call, faxed off my documentation on a Friday night at 8 o'clock, and why they suddenly listened to the stuff that I sent over everybody else's, I don't know. But we eventually got it cleared. It took about an extra month. My poor buyers were frantically figuring out what to do because they, again, had to be out of their apartment. And the seller was not comfortable letting them move in early. So um, we eventually got that closed. But lots of problems like that uh, that just require constant, constant persistence and, I think, emotional stability because buying and selling real estate is the most, most emotional thing we'll ever do. So it's my job to be stable in that. Wouldn't title insurance have cleared up that situation? Well, not if there's a cloud on the title, and that was the issue. The, the, um, the current owners of that property, uh, apparently their title company when they purchased were aware of that issue but chose to move forward and close and never got the final satisfaction of that mortgage during the two years that they owned it. Mm. So we also went back to that title company. You know, we, everybody was pointing the finger at everybody else, of course. But the bottom line is my buyers couldn't buy it unless that title was clear. And we eventually got it done. Serious problem. Serious problem. Mm -hmm. uh, what motivates you to make uh, tough decisions as a business person? What motivates me to make tough decisions as a business person? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting question, Mike. Um, I think what motivates me is I'm truly um, committed to um, helping people in the best way I know. So, uh, again, that mantra, if you can't find a way to make a way, that, that motivates me. How can I think outside of the box? 
how can I do something in a different way than nobody else is doing it? And those things get me really excited and get me motivated to figure that out. You know, having done this for 27 years, I never am bored because every day and every year brings a new set of challenges that I've never experienced before. Mm -hmm. Last year, you know, I could have written a book on all the challenges I faced, and it was year 26 in the business. So I'm motivated to, again, try to push through those challenges and figure out a different way to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are key components to growth uh, that leaders talk about, Uh, people, strategy, and process. Uh, Could you talk for a moment about each one, people, strategy, and process? Well, I don't know if by Sandler training I'm going to say the right stuff and understand what you're asking, but uh, again, Everyone going... Everyone understands that you haven't been a Sandler client. Sometimes we have <laughs> okay. clients on it. Okay. But just from your perspective with 26, 27 years in the professional real estate marketplace. Well, I think, um, you know, again, my the, the hallmark of my business is relationship building. And so I do a lot of things through a program that, that Comey sponsors called ninja training. And there's a 21-point business plan that I focus on many of the activities with that. Um, Certainly, I have scheduled time every week where I'm communicating with my buyers and sellers and my sphere of influence. I have systems. Thanks to my assistant, Judy, I have ready-to-go packets for buyers and sellers. When I get that call and have an appointment with someone, I have very professional-looking materials that I grab and go, and I think that sets me apart. So processes, I I do mailings, um, I do internet things, I commune and and really try to work hard at my relationships with my fellow realtors because they are in effect like a client to me. It's not tangible to measure, but I work hard to be courteous, to return their phone calls, to treat them with respect and dignity so that they will want to sell my listings or want to work with me. One of the multiple offer situations I was in recently, part of that was because the agent felt that I was extremely professional and they wanted to deal with me and not mess around with the other agent. Mm-hmm. So I shall remain lameless. I don't even know who it was. But, you know, those qualities I think are important, and that's part of my process as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have a vision for your uh, practice in real estate? Do I have a vision? Mm-hmm. My vision, my, my goal every year in terms of production is always to hit what we call the circle of excellence level, which is the top 5% of realtors in the Cincinnati area. So that's always, you know, what my goal is. So what does that mean in terms of numbers of sales dollars or units sold? It, it's, well, it depends. It's volume. It's mm-hmm. volume. There's a, there's a number, um, a, a number net gross income commission number that comes to your broker that qualifies you and there's various levels. There's very one that I think the top agent was level 14 this year. But I'm always, my goal is always to hit that because it's it's something that sets you apart. Again, it's the top 5% of agents in the Cincinnati area board of realtors and that's always a benchmark. So my vision is that, but also my vision is almost like a, a group of concentric circles going around. Not only just my production, but building relationships, community involvement, and service to the industry. And so I've become very involved with various aspects of the Board of Realtors, various committee committees. Um, and again, as a director, I'm involved with a lot of things that, uh, that are at the top level of what our board is doing, making decisions. Mm-hmm. Some, of us, some of us have heard radio commercials from uh, other realtors that they'll guarantee a sale. Uh, have you heard those? And what does that really mean? Well, I don't think I've heard any recently. There were periods of time when certain companies had um, had guaranteed sales. Kelly Williams is doing it now. Oh, okay. Well, um, you price a house below market value, it's going to sell. You can guarantee it's going to sell. Ah, uh, so to get the sale, you under under. I don't know if that's what they're doing or if they're guaranteeing a certain marketing program that they feel will sell the house. So um, I couldn't really speak to that because I haven't heard those commercials. But, you know, probably 10 or 15 years ago, certain companies were offering what they called a guaranteed sale program, that if you're going to buy a house through us, we will buy your house. But there were lots of issues, especially as the market began to change and slide, that I'm not aware of those programs in place right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it's really let the seller beware uh, on that kind of a guarantee. I think so. I think so. I, I would want to know specifically what that's all about. Are they guaranteeing that they're going to sell your house the next number of days or are they so what I heard you saying is that the buyers have to be very careful about what they're being I would. offered. Yeah. Uh, in the old days in real estate, it kind of reveals my age. I, I remember every real estate had the same listing fees. How does that work today in Cincinnati market? Well, th- there are no consistent listing fees. In fact, that would be um, against our ethical principles and antitrust. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there it depends. Companies have various policies, but there is no collusion among companies fee setting. Mm-hmm.
So each, each transaction can be different. It could be, or it could be maybe each company has a policy what their commission is going to be, and that's what an agent operating within that brokerage would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many real estate brokers or agents are there in Cincinnati since you're on the board of real estate? It's, um, it's, just, it's over 4,000. It varies a little bit each month, and mm-hmm. I would say between 4,000 and 4,300. And how many brokers benchmark. are there? I don't know how many actual brokers because there are designated brokers with real estate companies, but they are agents that also have broker's licenses. So I don't have a good answer for you on that, Mike. Mm-hmm. Why would an agent bother to get a broker's license? Well, sometimes they want to open up their own shop at some point, but also there is a level of study that's required to become a broker that one might feel makes them more proficient in the field. And certainly education and proficiency is, is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh why don't you take a second and, and, and tell us what the Cincinnati Board of Realty does since you're on the board there? Well, we are the, uh, the regional network for realtors, and we have an office uh, in Cincinnati and a tremendous staff. So we continue to set policy. We continue to um, – we have probably, I don't know, 20-plus committees that are involved in various aspects. I served for many years on the communications committee. We have a realtor lawyer committee. We have a realtor lender committee. We have a professional standards committee. So there's a tremendous amount of involvement in terms of guiding our realtors in this business, but also providing uh, support services, certainly (laughs) education, uh, continuing ed programs. Um, We brought in many, many speakers. And in fact, with Realtors with Heart, one of our programs we did, we brought in Dr. Henry Heimlich, who perfected the Heimlich Maneuver. And that was, uh, uh, you could have heard a pin drop listening to this man tell how he perfected the Heimlich Maneuver since he's right here in Cincinnati and 93 years old. So we got him. Right, um, right. He, he would, would regularly come to the downtown Rotary meetings. And I, oh, I've had the opportunity to have lunch with him Wonderful, several times. wonderful man. So, uh, again, the Cincinnati Area Board, Board of Realtors is the umbrella under which all of the services serving the real estate community, not only realtors, but the public as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let me... Uh, ask you one more question before we, we go to wrap up here. What uh, are the top three things that you think you could tell our listeners represents the corporate culture at Comey and Shepard? Uh, in top three. Of the I corporate would, culture. Corporate culture. I would say number one, integrity. And number two, um, I want to say extreme professionalism, but extreme sounds extreme. So I'm just going to say high-level professionalism. And I think the third part of it is um, connectability. And by that, I mean it's a company that is run from the top down and the bottom up. And Scott Nelson holds an agent meeting monthly where anybody can show up. He opens the books. He's extremely transparent. We see we are asked our opinions on new programs coming up. What do you think? Everything is very, very transparent. So I think those qualities are uh, a cut above and certainly a different way of doing real estate than what I've experienced in the Cincinnati area. Good. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, being on the show with me here today. I'm going to give you one of the uh, newest Sandler books that I helped compile called Lead When You Dance. It's 14 Mm. Success Secrets for Sales and Sales Managers. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. You'll find a copy of our current calendar with over 40 hours of training and a a free training pass. Feel free to uh, sit in on one of our classes. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, I'm going to ask Scott to take it away. Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.